Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Good morning, Millennials. Welcome back to the Morning Toast. Happy Hump Day. It's Wednesday, our favorite day here at the Morning Toast for a multitude of reasons. One, most likely Theo's going to be here on Wednesday because it's Hump Day and he is here, so that's wonderful. I mean, it's we could end the show now because Theo is here. Because we've done our job. We got our H-O-T hit of tigs. Also, a fabulous day because it's Dear Toaster segment, our weekly advice segment, which I I actually skimmed through. Fabulous submissions today, like really funny and interesting, and I think you'll have a hot take on one of them specifically. Okay. Um, and then we also have to recap The Bachelorette, so it's just going to be like a long, juicy, interesting show if you're sitting at work or working from home and you're just like, damn, I wish like one hour would go away. Like, we're about to do that for you. Here, magic, poof, and our after um, our Bachelorette segment is called Afterdale. I just want to normalize calling it Afterdale because okay. like... When you said that on last week's show, and then I went in my phone looking for Afterdale photos, I was literally laughing so hard. Someone made the funniest comment being like, I miss being like one of the nine people on the live stream. And it's literally where we were at one time when we did our Riverdale after show, Afterdale. Um, There was nine people on the live stream, but one of them was the creator of Riverdale, Ryder Ross. So we had to keep doing it. Um, but we really, it was just, it was a weird time. That was such an interesting, like, time for us and project to take on. It was, like, literally nobody asked. But Riverdale, this was season two. And it was, like, just after, like, the explosive season one. We thought it was, like, we thought we were really doing something. And we had this, like, amazing set. It turned out to be, like, a torturous, if you're, like, new here and you have no idea what Afterdale is. It With our old show, we, like, did a spinoff called Afterdale. And it turned out to be, like, such a torturous event because we would have to stay in the office at till 9, watch Riverdale from 9 to 10, and then go live on YouTube at 10.30 and like in being full hair and makeup with Ben and Margot and then we were in the middle of Times Square and then have to like get home by 11 and then like go back to the studio the next morning. It was just like not an ideal schedule for us. Yeah, like God forbid someone had sent us screeners. But also I think Afterdale is really emblematic of who we are because you can see that entrepreneurial spirit Mm -hmm. like coming through even when we were just technically cogs in a corporate machine. And I think Afterdale was technically like our first TNN show. <laughs> wow, you're right. It was the yeah. first kind of expansion, like branching out of our business. Yeah. That and was so- also such a weird time. I remember getting a phone call from my agent at the time who represented one of the girls on the show um, and was like, you have to be nicer to her. Like we were like, she like heard that you were talking shit. I'm like, literally nine people watch the show. Like there's no way this girl heard me say anything. No, the nine people were just the cast. So like we couldn't stop because we were like. Because the creator of the show was watching the, and we right. were like hating it. And we we can't let him down. <laughs> literally the creator tunes in. It was just a really tough time. Um, but some. A funny, and by the way, it created this like deep resentment for me of the franchise. Yeah, no, but it's a funny piece of toast history. Yeah. And it's just, it's hysterical. It was me, Margot. Ben and Claudia 
and we just were recapping Riverdale on Afterdale. But now Afterdale is the segment of the Bachelorette recap, what will happen after Dale. Right, it used to be the morning rose, now it's just going to be after Dale. Yeah, no, I like after Dale better because it harks back to our history. Me too, it's pertinent to the situation. Quite pertinent. Speaking of pertinence, yesterday, last night, after um, Bachelorette, I started The Meaning of Mariah, mm-hmm. finally. After I had my amuse-bouche on Monday, I was able to take it on. So glad. I'm 15% through. You were right. It's very dense and like tight. I want to say, I, what's the word? Like it's very like sh- each sentence has so much like full, f- so much, so many descriptors, so, so much information in it that it's like, it's kind of a long read. And also the beginning is her story of her childhood, which is also very intense. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very heavy book and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's like intense stories written through even more intense sentences. Yes. And I think that that's what the story deserves. Agreed. And I'm really enjoying learning more about Mariah's childhood. And I feel like it definitely is already affecting like how I see her. Like I keep thinking about that New York Times, not New York Times, New Year's Year's Eve performance Mm -hmm. when she just like got completely... I don't think it was New Year's Eve. I think it was the tree lighting at uh, Rockefeller Center. Oh, yeah, because she's Christmas. Anyways. And isn't it interesting, like, you totally understand her obsession with Christmas? Yes. No, these sort of things, like, everything's just starting to make sense. Because, like, Christmas is just, like, emblematic of, like, the traditional family and, like, growing up, that's all she wanted. And now I'm just, like, thinking back to those moments, like, the tree lighting where her singing went sort of sideways. And I'm like, we need to have more respect for her. I completely agree. Like, this is a woman who has proven over and over again that she is one of the greatest singers of our time. So even if she has an off night, like, she's still Mariah Carey. Yeah. Yeah, like off. put some respect on her name. <laughs> yeah. I agree. You're right. Yeah. You're totally right. No, and, I'm, and like I'm talking to myself too. You know, of course. Like of course I posted that video. Like I thought it was crazy. Somebody isolated her vocals from the actual um, track and it was just her her voice and it was like awful. Yeah. But she deserves some grace like being in the industry for 30 years and... And really being like having the voice of an angel. And yeah, being at the top of her game vocally since the time she was 18. It's not like it was ever a question like, is she really singing? It's not is like she you know, really award, talented? Award shows and it's like, oh, she really can't sing. Like you literally go to award shows and you see the people who use autotune and who genuinely cannot sing and the people who are just as talented as they are on iTunes as they are in, in person. Yeah. Mariah Carey's always been one of the latter. Yeah, but, she, but like also on another level, like... The whistle... It's just incredible. So I look forward to reading more of that book today. Maybe Are you tomorrow. a lamb? A lamb? What's that? That's what she calls her fans. Oh, lambs. I didn't even know that. I hope I can't wait to get to that part. And I don't I'm get a- the lamb thing. And I'm on my way. I'm just going to say, like, I really, I'm on my way. And I'm excited to finish the book and then share some of the biggest bombshells that I've learned from it. Yeah. When she was on Watch Happens Live, she said, like, people, I think, were shocked at, like, most of the book is about her childhood, not about, like, fame, Derek Jeter, even though that's the stuff that got, like, pulled in the press. Um, because, like, in order to understand the meaning of Mariah, you need to understand, like, all that she has been through. So if you're like me and, like, your favorite part of a book is, like, celeb, juicy, tell-all, um, you're going to have to wait a little bit. That's usually my favorite part, too. But I'm realizing, maybe it's just me getting older or older, but we're just reading more, that, like, I really do enjoy and get so much out of, like, learning about... Mariah's childhood learning about her parents childhood like it's all part of the fabric of your life and it's all important Mm -hmm. and I I get it a much better sense of the celebs that I love when I can understand their childhood and by the way you can always tell um through their books like which celebrities have obviously 
been through extensive therapy mm-hmm. um, because they place so much emphasis on like these stories in their childhood, like Jessica Simpson, Howard Stern, Mariah Carey. You could just tell from the book that like therapy is a huge part of their lives. Yeah. But then also, do you ever feel like there are some people where it's just like their childhood, like, isn't that like, I feel like it could go either way. Like, you know, sometimes like your childhood is just your childhood and sometimes like it'll affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah. I guess it depends what happens in that right. childhood. And I think it's like no matter how you grew up or where you grew up, like some people just like had childhoods that like deeply affected them. And childhood some pe- trauma. Yeah. And some people just didn't. Yeah. I agree. So that's exciting that I'm looking forward to that. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at mentally today. The book. Yeah, that's great. Um, mentally, I am just here, you know, present with my, my son, feeling strong, feeling really excited about, you know, the next couple days because... Um, I got a big weekend plan. I'm, we're actually going to dinner, which these days is like a big weekend plan. <laughs> it's basically like I'm going to Vegas, you know, yeah. and I can't be stopped and I can't be tamed. And then we roll right out into the weekend to Tuesday where I feel like I've never been more excited for anything in my entire life. Tuesday, I have a major announcement. Now, RTK toasters like might know it already, but I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to like make it into such a big deal. Tuesday is going to be such a fabulous event, a fabulous show. And not only do I have like a major, major career milestone like to share with you, it gets better. It does get better, but it's all like wrapped up into one. As far as your special projects, secret projects go, this is one that I am so excited about too. And I'm so excited for you. Thank you. And the Thank countdown so to Tuesday is on. The countdown to Tuesday is on. Eh. Okay. Also, I just would be RDH if I didn't point out the fact that we are both some turtlenecked queens I know. today. You know, I feel like I'm really getting a lot of my um, date like style inspiration from TikTok, and the kids are wearing tight turtlenecks. Are and, like, they? That's what I have to do. Okay. Well, I'm. I I didn't see that, and I guess I just like you're I just knew naturally what was on trend. Well, every time I wear this blazer um, that I bought because like Lauren Elizabeth had it, and I thought it was so cute, I always wear this turtleneck with it because it was the turtleneck I was wearing the night that I tried on her blazer oh interesting so to me, they just like go together some things just stick with you yeah they it's just go better together and probably always will should we dive in should we okay I just want to say before we dive in um I'm a little like off today I guess because I forgot my iPad Oof. you know and I know I left it charging but I really did think that I picked it up and put it in my bag but I've been having like weird like leaving the house problems yeah me too three days in a row it's a mask Three days in a row, I left my already made coffee upstairs in my kitchen. And today and Monday, I went back for it. But yesterday, it was too late before I remembered. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like being forgetful. Wait. So if you hear some like typing, it's because I'm using my computer today. I'm really sorry. Jackie, you and I have spoken extensively about like just leaving your iPad here and charging it here. Like, why don't you do that? Um, Well, yesterday specifically, I took it with me because for my babysitting mission, I thought I might want to watch... some wild wild country which by the way I finished and do not waste your time just like google the story because I'm sure that's more interesting speaking of not wasting your time do not if you're if you have been influenced by me to think about starting to watch the vow don't because you know what I just found out you're gonna die they're coming out with a second season oh my god of a documentary okay the story is not that good of a documentary where there's an episode of American Greed on it already. So I would just go straight there. Oh, That's, and now... The story of Rajneesh Pram <clears throat> should have been, and maybe it already is, an episode of American Greed. Even though it's not, like, totally about greed. It depends how you look at it. Um, it's just a, a... I feel like they could have made it work. There's also now a Stars documentary on it. And they actually got India Oxenberg, which is pretty cool. Um, I actually might watch that next year documentary. Hopefully they don't drag it out. Also, we did not talk about, but Shark Tank is back. And do you know who their guest um, shark is? Who? Kendra Scott. 
the necklace designer, like everyone oh. wears those little necklaces, and she seems really cool. Um, and they've been like just putting on. So, when I was watching The Bachelor last night with the ABC commercials, it was being promoted so much, and their commercials are so inspiring. Like, I just want to start my own business and like watch Shark Tank at the same time. We need to start rewatching Shark like, Tank, keeping up with Shark Tank. Yeah, okay, I'm down because like that's where I do some of my best shopping. No, I know. And interesting, I'd love to learn more about Kendra Scott. And then also speaking of um, ABC, I put on my TV at seven o'clock and I watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And I just, I think I'm at the place in my life where I need to make that a part of my daily routine. Like, first of all, watching Jeopardy, just like, I got like three answers, I'm not going to lie. It was um, Frank Lloyd Wright, because like, it was a question about the architect, and that was literally the only architect I knew, and I screamed it at the TV, and it was right, and Ben was so impressed. And then they were talking about some vegetable, like heart, and I, the only vegetable I know that has a heart is an artichoke. I was also thinking maybe hearts of palm, but I just went with artichoke. And then the other one was, oh, it was a comedian question. Um, there was a whole... Uh, category of comedians I don't remember what it was Ben was so impressed and it just like I don't know it really made me feel like good and smart and then I went to Wheel of Fortune and like played with my brain a little bit and you know I know it's like shows reserved ex- exclusively for like 70 year olds but I think that it's, that's gonna be my vibe moving forward yeah and I also think that you know this last year has really aged us so yeah. maybe like we are at like the mental capacity of like what we want to watch is what a 70 year old wa- wants to watch a place to call home yes Get and Jeopardy it. Get on it. and Jeopardy I just like I feel like Jeopardy is it I think I might actually be like the least qualified person to like I will I would there's a million game shows I could go on I would actually be excellent at Family Feud and I'm pretty good of of Wheel of Fortune but like I might be the dumbest person on planet earth like I will never get onto Jeopardy but maybe if I watch enough episodes like it'll happen for me and I start at 26 by the time I'm 50 it could happen exciting things to look forward to so yes sorry we got a little off track I think now without further ado it is time for the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast Um, yes, Jackie, that is not not true, you know, mm-hmm. but I think here at the morning toast, it's really important that we put an emphasis on the truth. I agree. And transparency and just like being open and honest and, and raw and vulnerable. And in, in the spirit of that, I just think I'm trying not to like get choked up. Um, I have something to say, please. It's been a long time coming. A lot of people have wanted me to address this and I don't know, it just t- feels like the right time. Okay. Take all the time you need. Today's episode is brought to you by Nothing New. Comfortable, durable, and sustainable, Nothing New is proving that eco-friendly doesn't need to look eco-friendly. Nothing New makes the most fabulous shoes, and they're made from recycled water bottles and 100% sustainable materials. So that's recycled fishing nets, cotton, recycled rubber, recycled cork, the list goes on. They're designed with comfort in mind, so you never know that you're wearing a pair of sneakers that's made from, like, old water bottles um the name is nothing new obviously because they're made from nothing new all their materials are recycled they come in a bunch of different styles they have low tops high tops they also make fabulous socks the shoes come in like over 15 colors it's a fabulous product one because you just like always need like a fabulous pair of sneakers high tops or low tops and it's fabulous because you're like saving the environment by purchasing a pair of shoes and that feels good because it costs more to make an eco-friendly sneaker without the harmful glues and chemicals most that most sneakers are made with nothing new doesn't offer sales or discounts at this time but they are giving back to the environment for our listeners they'll plant a tree for every pair purchased so go to nothingnew.com slash toast that's n-o-t-h-i-n-g-n-e-w.com slash toast and try a pair with free shipping and returns today and nothing new will plant a tree in a forest in need so you get a fabulous pair of shoes and then you get to plant a tree that's nothingnew.com slash toast you have to use that link and you also get free shipping and returns if you use that link for a fabulous pair of shoes Check awesome it out. scion get great shoes 
First up, word on the street is that Sophia Richie has a new boyfriend. Hmm. Let's meet him. His name is Matthew Morton, and the two were spotted grabbing dinner at Nobu. He is... Is he Camila Cabello's ex-boyfriend? No, no, no. That's Matthew Hussey, the dating, oh. the love guru. That was like the weirdest time in Camila Cabello's life where she was like actually dating a nobody. Um, yeah. But Matthew Morton, Sophia Richie, they just went to Nobu. So it could have been like a business dinner because he is the founder of Cha Cha Matcha. But he could um, also be her rumored new beau. I'm going to say something controversial. What, you don't like matcha? Well, of course. I think that goes without saying. But I just think that, like, the franchise Cha-Cha Matcha, which is a fabulous name, is just, like, the most unnecessary institution on the face of the earth. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they sell matcha at Starbucks, or I assume they do. I don't know. I've never ordered it. But they sell it at, like, every place. And I just think, like, having its own dedicated chain is, like, a level of privilege. Like, I just can't relate to. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? No, I I really, really do. But, like, the the name is so cute of the store. The the store is so cute. You just want to go there and take pictures. Proud to say I've never done that. But, like, that's also just because I don't really live close to one. I don't know. And I feel like we have listeners who have literally never heard of cha-cha matcha. And, like, I'm actually envious of that life experience. Like, I, I don't know how I got myself into a place where, like, I'm constantly being bombarded by like cha-cha macha-ness yeah and I want nothing to do with it like yeah I think that like as a brand I am the antithesis of cha-cha matcha yeah like if they opened like a competitor across the street it'd be you and it's like McDonald's and we would literally just sell like soda (laughs) and milkshakes yeah yeah no, I, I feel that for you. Um, and I just could never I get into the headspace. Because I completely agree. Okay, I'm glad. And because like, it's not even that I'm like an unhealthy person, and which I am. I'm not denying that. And, and I don't think that there's no need for like a healthy cafe. I think it's fabulous. But like to have an entire brand identity be associated with like matcha <laughs> is just... It's so unnecessary. And, you know, we're living in crazy, unprecedented times. And I feel like people are really prioritizing, like, what's important to them. And I just don't think matcha is. And maybe I'm wrong. You guys will obviously let me know. But I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm hitting the nail on the head with this one. I just but think continue. you're speaking to, like, a lot of people. And you're, you're also offending a lot of people. And you know what? I just feel And like that's what you do. That is so me. And I don't know. I just don't have, like, a good feeling that, like, our audience is, like, huge matcha fans. I just feel like I know our brand. And I just think, like... We're on the right side of history in this one. Yeah, I I feel you as well. Um, but apparently, Sophia Richie likes her matcha. Oh, I believe she's only dating him just to get the free matcha because you know what? Matcha is expensive. Matcha, it's very expensive. Also, I it's mean, expensive grass. This story hurts my heart a little bit because it yeah. means like that maybe Scott and Sophia are done for real this time, and I just I ship them completely. I will ship them. I'll fu- I'll sail around the world in my ship. You're Captain Sandy. Yeah. Uh, but of an empty vessel. Yeah, nobody's on board. Nobody's on board. That's so sad. Mayday. Nobody's on board. Mayday. It's just me and one cup of matcha. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that sounds like a bad time. That's what I'm saying. So, sorry, who's dating? Oh, yes, Sophia Richie and this man. But it's only because they were spotted out at Nobu once, and, and now I'm starting to, like, be really skeptical about Nobu Malibu. Will There's you, something... Will you follow me on this one? 100%. Because the Kardashians are always there, and they're always getting photographed there, and so they know that if they go there, they're going to get photographed. They wear their best looks with a matching mask. They bring their friends. And their best cars, because yeah. you get paparazzi at the valet it's a place to see and be seen and it's like the racetrack everybody's gonna be up in your business 100 so i have to question sophia richie as a 
Kardashian extension knows that this is what goes down at Nobu Malibu. And so she's either like wanting everyone to think she's in a new relationship or it's like not an actual, like if it was like a real treasured, you know, blossoming, blooming relationship, like I don't think you would step out to Nobu Malibu just mere weeks after a serious relationship ended, which makes me believe that this is not a serious relationship. Okay, that's true. But let me offer just one brief rebuttal. You're totally right. But Nobu Malibu is also the most delicious and fabulous restaurant. And maybe she just couldn't resist. I, I hear that. but like, Maybe she wanted a premium dining experience with a premium view and a premium setting and a premium vibe. And this was the price she had to pay for that experience. Okay. Maybe. Two things to say to that. One, like she could have done takeout. Two, Not the same. Two, I do think there are other places in Malibu that are um, for celebrities that are extremely private with good food too and on the water. Yeah, no. And I just want to say like there is a a way I hate to be like such like a name dropper but I just want to pull on some personal experience to let you know that like if a celebrity doesn't want to be seen they don't have to be seen like what would you say in LA proper like is the most fabulous restaurant star-studded Craig's okay so I was at Craig's with a very very famous person now I don't want to be a name dropper but it was Kate Beckinsale (laughs) we were having an amazing time we were with another friend and he was gonna stay and she was like do you want me to drive you home like I have a car and I'm like oh my god fabulous we're gonna walk out together like literally there's 50 paparazzis who just stand outside Craig's and she was like come with me and I'm like oh my god not only am I gonna get to drive home with her like I'm gonna be paparazzi like maybe she'll like show me off to the pops of course we go out the back entrance and we're in like a car that has like umbrellas covered all over it and like we never were seen by anyone so the most even even at the most fabulous restaurant in LA like you can be in and out without being seen. So if you want to go to Nobu and not be seen, I guarantee you there's a way. There's a private room. There's a back entrance. There's something. I'm just saying. Okay. You pull up on your boat from the back. Like, there's, there are ways to, be do, to do things. Yeah, there is not a, a, there's not a dock or a port. No, I didn't want to share that story. Because they do not ship. You know that it pained me to be such a name, a name dropper. Like, I, and I didn't want to share, you know, that personal experience because I just, I hate to be that person. You guys know I'm, like, so not like that. But it's germane <laughs> to the situation. It's so pertinent to the situation that I just, I had to call upon my personal experience. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. It's okay. I mean, it, it Until helps. the next time, it's germane to the situation. Yeah, no, it helps add color to the story. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm nothing if not, like, a colorful storyteller. That's actually very true. Thank you. Okay, speaking of fame, Nicole Kidman says fame was, says fame when she was single was much harder to oh, well, navigate. Yeah. So Nicole Kidman um, was speaking with the Sydney Morning Herald in a recent interview, and the actress told the publication that she thinks fame was much harder for her when she was single because there wasn't a shield. There wasn't a place to go and to work through it with a partner, she said, yeah. before she noted how she would lean on others to be her safeguard, including her sister. Love to see it. I, who see knew Nicole Kidman sister? had a sister? Antonia. Oh, I like that name. I was lucky because my sister would come. I remember her flying to Cannes in 2001 because it's frightening walking up that red carpet with all that security, feeling very insecure and not quite sure where to go or how to survive. Nicole, who recently celebrated her 14th wedding anniversary with husband Keith Urban, continued to detail her connection with her sister. If you have a sister as a woman, it's such a blessing because there's this closeness where you can really delve into into another woman with safety. We're almost twins and we've been through a lot. I just, like, love the sister appreciation moment. I love the sister appreciation moment. I love that, like, she went from being, you know, single and obviously struggling with the fame to now being in what I perceive to be, like, the most fabulous, healthy marriage of all time where, like, they're both successful and supportive of one another's dreams and they live in Nashville in a palace and, like, probably have a farm with a goat. And I just think, like, what more can you ask for the most precious woman on earth, Nicole Kidman? No, you, you really can't ask for much more. And to know that she has a sister, like behind every great woman, there's a sister who like completely loves and supports everything that she does. That is so true. And you know what? Normalize changing that 
awful state, like um, phrase, behind every great man, there's a greater woman. To behind every great woman, there's a greater sister. <laughs> I just think it's better. It's more I, appropriate. I, yeah, and you know what? I think that sisterhood is just so beautiful. And I love like a publication, the Sydney Herald. Is that what Sydney it was called? Sydney Morning Herald. I love a publication that highlights and appreciates sisterhood. Yeah, and like I'm sure there was a lot of tea in this interview with Nicole Kidman and that like they chose to focus on like the bond of sisterhood. Beautiful. What's that from? The bonds of sisterhood. I have no idea. But Claudia, that's beautiful. Oh, it's from Legally Bond, of course, when of course. Victor Garber is um, like making fun of her for not sharing Brooke's alibi. alibi. Which I just have to say, I know she won the case without it, but it was a little silly. It was, but like to me, yes, of course, she could have shared the alibi, everyone could have gone home. But knowing that your client has an airtight alibi, you know that they are innocent. So yes. when, when <clears throat> Elle says, like, we wouldn't be very good lawyers if we can't get her off, knowing that she didn't do it. Knowing for sure that she didn't do it. Yes, okay. I meant it's, it was kind of silly of Allie Larder. This is what he said. To, Screw sisterhood. <laughs> <laughs> that is what he said. Um, it was a little silly of Brooke Wyndham, Bronwyn Wyndham Burke. It was a little silly of her to not want to tell people she got liposuction and possibly go down for manslaughter. Like, that was silly. Yeah. Like, I know you have silly. a reputation to uphold, but would you rather be a fraud or a murderer? Well, she hired the best in the biz, so, like, she thought she had a third option, which, by, know, the, way, by the way, she did. You only get one chance at trial. You don't, like, juggle and take a gamble on whether or not, like, just tell everyone you had liposuction. Well, for her, that was juggling and taking a gamble with her career. Yeah, and she said, I would rather rot in prison than spend the rest of my life, whatever, you know, she yeah. said that thing. Yeah, she said it. She said what she said. Oh, also, by the way, yesterday, as promised on our Instagram, we posted a, not a full list, but an introductory list to what we consider to be some of the greatest content uppers of all times, which is basically just movies that are funny, fun, will make you laugh. They're not too serious. They have a great cast. They have great music. It's just a small introduction to content uppers, which is something we've been talking about a lot during these unprecedented times. It's never been more necessary to have content that ups you. And so check out our Instagram at The Morning Toast. We recently got verified and I'm very excited about it. I just want to plug it. Check it out. Okay, next story. Kim Kardashian settles a $6.1 million lawsuit with the security company from her Paris robbery. Oh, my God. I didn't Kim, know we were still playing this out. No, me neither. Kim has secretly settled a $6.1 million lawsuit with the security company that, quote, failed to protect her during her devastating robbery in Paris, according to The Sun. Pascal. Yes, exactly. In October 2016, as we know, Kim was tied up and put in the bathtub of her hotel room by five armed robbers who had posed as cops to gain entry. They left with $10 million worth of jewelry, including a $5 million diamond ring from her husband, Kanye. Her bodyguard, Pascal Duvier, had left her alone in the room while he escorted her sisters, Courtney and Kendall, to the club. According to the British paper, Kim filed Pascal and then sued him and his company for negligence. But reps for Kim have not responded to this story. So, so it's like still a secret. So Pascal owes Kim Kardashian $6 million. His security, the security company that either he works for or, or he owns. owns. Yeah. No, it's like part of me is like, yeah, why did he leave her alone? But at the same time, it's like, why did three of the most famous women on earth only have one security guard? Yeah. Kim shouldn't have been left alone. But what, were Kendall and, and Courtney supposed to go alone to a club? Yeah. They need more security. And you know what? I feel like that's what they took away from this. Like, their houses are fortresses. And it's so sad that, like, something so traumatic had to happen in order for them to, like, take their security so seriously. I feel like their security is literally, like, a character on the show. Like, they're always talking about, like, the gates and the security guards and the cameras. Um, 
I just can't believe that like now, how, what year was this in? This was 2016. 2016. Um, Four years later. Yeah, like we're still litigating. But that's how, that's how litigation it works. works. Yeah. Ooh, and I, like you said yesterday, she talks about it on the Letterman, Letterman I, um, I believe. So it'll be interesting to hear more if she chooses to talk about it. And if she doesn't, we understand. Uh, yeah, I think the Letterman is out today. It said Wednesday, but I don't know if it was next Wednesday or this Wednesday. Dates are confusing. So, by the way, in these unprecedented times, dates are so confusing. Okay, next story. A little exciting news. A little exciting branding news. Bravo debuts the first official Real Housewives wine collection. Oh. This seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, Bravo is now only recently like getting on the bandwagon of like, let's make money on the Housewives when all the Housewives are making money on us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Real Housewives fans have seen their fair share of wine-throwing incidents over the course of 14 years and a multitude of franchises. And finally, there's an official wine made specifically to sip on while you watch. The wines, which are made in partnership with Knocking Point Wines in Washington State, come in three varieties. The Real House Red, the Real House White, and the Real House Rosé. That's cute. Yeah. Wait, Knocking Point Wine sounds familiar. Is that the same company that did Witches of WeHo wine? I'll look it up. I believe that it is. Knocking Point Wine. Which would just be interesting if like Stassi, Kristen, and Katie like set the precedent for like all of the Bravo wine partnerships. It's just something interesting to think about. And I think that they did. Yes, it was Knocking Point. Yeah. That's wow. just interesting. This is a great idea. I mean, it's going to do great. I'm glad that Bravo, only recently has Bravo kind of started to monetize their fan base in a sense. Like I feel like since the first episode of Housewives, the Housewives themselves have started to capitalize, monetize books, shows, other TV shows. Like they've started to create fandoms and make money off of their audience. But Bravo only recently like started to do BravoCon and really kind of capitalizing on their cult following. And I think this is like the next step in that direction. And it's very smart. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think it's smart. And like we said, a no brainer. I think The Bachelor also did something similar Right. Yeah. And these are like limited, limited special edition. Yeah. For the super fans. So if you want one, go and get it. I don't think it'll be around long. Yeah. The Bachelor's been good about that. Like over the years, like doing like different like events or podcasts, like they kind of lean into it. Yeah. Whereas like Bravo, like all these women do their own podcasts having nothing to do with Bravo. Whereas like if Bravo had a podcast network where they gave all of their castmates a podcast and some of them have very successful ones. Don't give them too many good ideas because like that's an amazing idea and, and that is direct conflict with TNN. So. Yeah, because then Margaret Joseph would have to leave. <laughs> yeah. Check out Caviar Dreams, Tuna Fish Budget with Margaret Joseph. Now available anywhere you find your podcasts. I love Margaret Joseph. Me too. Did you see that they're actually making a lot of progress on her house? Yes. I cannot wait. It looks so good. I feel like so many people in quarantine like let their lives just like slip away but marge has been she's just marge t- in charge taking care of everything she's been putting off and their her house looks so good it's like such a unique like mod colorful palette and i'm really into it um our fifth story is um, something yeah my ums are just getting out of control sorry i'm working on them it's okay our fifth story is some exciting tv reboot news that um, that people have actually asked for okay mtv cribs reboot has been announced with celebrity guests caitlin jenner jojo siwa christine quinn and rupaul drag races Alyssa edwards okay i just have to say of all those people i have already seen Alyssa edwards's house she did architectural digest and it was very shocking because you don't expect like this fabulous um drag queen to live in like a cul-de-sac in a suburban neighborhood like she just literally lives on like wisteria lane it's very interesting i've seen jojo siwa's house because she has a youtube channel i think honestly mtv cribs like might have missed the mark because while it's fabulous i've literally seen everyone's house tour and everyone has seen our house tours like it's just house tours on youtube as a trend architectural digest now does that like 
73 questions you see people's houses like wow. they're a little late wow this is a hot take i wasn't expecting no but like of I, course. I mean for me that like this is a story because of christine quinn and i'm it dying was, to see her house. like i honestly wouldn't have sought it out as a story i'm dying to see her house i think that she's an amazing choice but i do agree that like when they're choosing celebrities who are influencers or digital celebrities there's a good chance we've already gotten a house tour from mm -hmm. them and so I'm down for the idea of MTV Cribs and I was actually just thinking about Cribs while reading Mariah Carey's book because I remember her episode of MTV Cribs so distinctly she showed her New York City penthouse and like it was when we yes. were so so young and I even remember her when she was in her shoe closet talking about how growing up she like only had one pair of shoes and it was just all coming back to me and I, and I think that MTV Cribs is they do they do not only great house tours but like the whole production, the stories and everything yes. is, is so, so good. And they invented like fridge culture. But they should be having on celebrities who we typically do not have access to, especially in the digital space. I agree. Because in a lot of ways, in the digital space, they've totally missed the mark. Like they should have brought back MTV Cribs as a YouTube series five years ago. And the fact that they didn't is such a, like a mistake on their part. And now if they're bringing it back like in a real way and they're only highlighting people whose houses we've already seen yeah. it's so silly yeah no like show me the home of and by the way I love Nicole Kidman right no I love Alyssa Edwards I do but like when you said RuPaul's <laughs> drag race uh, no show me RuPaul's house show me that world of wonder money like that's something I would never see on YouTube yeah yeah no I I, I agree with your take and you've changed my mind wow that literally never happens. I'm just on one today. I'm very excited. Oh, we're gonna do the Bachelor recap, yeah. right? Yeah, or also to show, like, even Caitlyn Jenner, um, I'm sure her house is amazing, but we've seen a lot she of it a reality on, show. like, I Am Kate. So it has to be someone who doesn't have a YouTube presence, who does not have a reality show. No, it really has to be, like, traditional celebrities, i.e. TV and movie stars. Yeah, like... Who don't have YouTube channels. Who might not even have Instagram. Right, which is very rare, because, like, even most YouTube stars have YouTube. I mean, most TV stars have YouTube channels. Yeah, true. Um, okay, let's dive into our TV recap segment, which is The Bachelorette. I have so many thoughts on last night's episode, and I knew... Oh, I need to pull up my thoughts. And I know that you and I actually really disagree we on did. one big thing, but we let's did. just go chronologically through the episode. Though, though I watched your story, and I think, once again, you were maybe changing my mind. Okay, because last night's episode was very strange. I feel like I really started out with this positive headspace where, like, I know like Claire was kind of a controversial pick, but the more I got to see her, I don't know, I was just like excited about the episode. I feel like in a lot of ways, I, I love that she's 39. I don't think it makes the show any worse. If anything, it makes the show better. Like to have a grown woman who can speak real full sentences. This is what we said last week. Yeah, and then, I, I'm attracted to her strength. Yes. And then I just feel like with every second that passed, like that excitement and admiration and respect I had for Claire, like truly was just like a downward spiral into rock bottom. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's really her Achilles heel, like that she's so, so strong. It's amazing. And it makes it so enjoyable to watch. But then like, she's a little too strong about she's certain things. too intense. Yeah. And she, like what, like you said on your Instagram story, she kind of crosses over into this teacher mode where it's like, we understand that you're like so correct and, and you're writing your convictions, but like to demand perfection of everyone like it's off-putting also I got a DM really quickly I don't want to get off track but I've been saying teacher a lot and people um we have a lot of teacher toasters who I absolutely love and respect and I just need to say I don't mean it in a negative way when I say teacher and I was trying to explain it to this girl but I wasn't doing a good job when I say teacher it's like people who are like won't choose a winner and like you're all winners that's like such a teacher answer Claire was like literally like looking for inconsistencies in people's answers just so she could like call them out like she was a professor like making sure you did the homework I didn't yeah. mean teacher no, in any negative way I don't think that you didn't I think it's just like the, the relationship between a teacher and student should not 
not be the same relationship between boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay, thank you. Like, you're so much more articulate than me. Sorry to get off track. Yes. So I just felt like... And it's, were, like, it's the relationship between camper and counselor. Yes. There were, like, four or five they moments... They were campers last night. There were four <laughs> or five moments that I just felt like Claire was so unreasonable, and that's a lot for one episode. The first was, I thought that... That, and I know she hasn't planned the dates, but I thought that one on one with that cutie whose name, of course, I don't know, where they had to write the things Jason. down, burn the dress, talk about their trauma. It's like, this is date one. This is, and I know that things are definitely expedited in the bachelor world, but it was just like a little intense. It was too intense. And to expect someone who you just met to open up to you on that level on TV, and I feel like she would have been disappointed in him if she if he hadn't done that. I just thought that was wholly unreasonable. I yeah, I totally agree. And also for the viewer watching through the lens of like she has tunnel vision for Dale, it is so unfair for yeah. her to like want this man to open up like. Because we know that she really is kind of giving him half a shot. 100%. And I thought it was like extremely intense. Too intense for a first date. Too intense for television. And like he he definitely met her expectations I think. And he like def- there's obviously a lot of a lot to this man. Um, but even if he hadn't like I wouldn't have blamed him. My second moment where Claire really let me down was the tantrum she threw about the awkward silence. Mm-hmm. Now what happened I think was that. The cocktail party had started, and I think in, in the past, the second she's, like, done with her toast... They all so, clamor. Can I grab? And there was maybe, you know, an extra second taken, and it was awkward, which... Awkward silences are terrible, but it's a group of nine relative strangers. Like, awkward silences are definitely bound to happen. Um, and then that guy, I, of course, I don't remember his name, did... Uh, uh, Benet, Bennett. Bennett, yeah. Bennett. <laughs> Bennett did ask to talk to her, like, a few seconds later than she had wanted, and not only did she completely disregard him because she was so mad, she ditched the only guy who had actually expressed interest in talking to her. She literally got up in the middle because she wasn't listening and then went to go reprimand a bunch of dudes for literally not jumping fast enough. It's just, it's, and, and I hate to say this because, yes, Claire is a strong, powerful woman, but, like, she's a little unreasonable and kind of insufferable. Like, and I can't imagine wanting to be in a relationship with someone who's that particular yeah no I agree with that and I also feel like this is Claire's fifth time on the show like she knows how it works this is these guys first group date like they don't know that the minute the toast is over that that's when you ask for her hand like oh and by the way if they did know that if they did know exactly how the show worked something would have went off in her brain be like why do these guys know how to act so well on the show how many episodes have they watched because she's so in her own fucking head no I totally agree and I understand why she probably felt a little awkward because no one jumped for her hand. But, like, she has to realize all of these guys are there for her. Sure, some aren't, but, like, most of them really are. They're taking time out of their lives, even though, like, who wouldn't want to be there right now? Right, in quarantine. So for her to, like, question it so much, like, not be able to let it go. And I I like how she says she needs to give voice to her feelings or else they fester and whatnot. But there's also something to be said for letting something go. There's also something to be said for just, like, social decorum. You can be really mad about something, but if this guy is now getting to talk to you, you haven't spent a lot of time with him, to literally cut him off mid-sentence and leave him there so you could go yell at the other dudes, like, that's just not appropriate social behavior. And when you, like, really look into it, like, I just feel like she was upset with Dale for not being the first one to ask. Now, the Dale of it all is really interesting because she's saying a lot of things about Dale that we've never heard a lead say, being like, oh, my mind is with Dale, I can stop thinking about Dale. We're hearing her say a lot of those things and I just thought it was really interesting to, that I pointed out is that she's saying all those things and you're not seeing her say them they're dubbed in voiceovers because she didn't actually say them there 
But when, because it would she's not allowed to say stuff like that. But I think when they decided to end the season and then whatever they end up doing and the turn that it takes, they now could lean into the storyline of her being so obsessed with Dale. So she would be doing interviews and you would be seeing her speak. And then when she would say something like really particular about Dale, it would be a voiceover. That's really smart. I wasn't watching closely enough to pick up on stuff like that. I was really like on my phone so much while watching. There Me was too. just like a few people who I picked my head up for. Dale, Blake Moines, who yes. we need to talk about. And um, I and I think that's it actually. So then the third thing that happened that kind of like put me off um, on the Claire <clears throat> on the clairvoyance was the next group date of dodgeball. Now, yes. Now I it, for those who don't know, it was a game of dodgeball, and Claire had the idea to make it strip dodgeball so that there were t- two teams, and whatever team lost the first round took their shirts off, second round took their uh, socks off, third round took their shorts off, and they were wearing like tiny little jock straps, like basically thongs. Um, and I, I mean, I hate to be that person because I don't know if this is like such a lame thing to say, but like, of course, it felt very strange watching it because you couldn't help but wonder, like, if the gender roles were reversed, like, they would literally never let a bachelor be like, let's play strip volleyball. But then you think of the other, uh, the other side, it's like the girls on The Bachelor are always like being put in bikinis. And bikinis are essentially naked. So it's like, I don't know where I stand like on the equality of it all, but I just know like watching it was really made me feel uncomfortable. It felt like not even like they were objectifying the men, but like embarrassing them almost to a point. And I just didn't like it. And there was only one guy there, I forget it, was it Blake, who had like a normal reaction being like, why am I like being embarrassed? Like, okay, it's one thing to lose dodgeball, but to have to show you my nuts. Like, yeah. it was just very strange. And then her asking the losing team who was walking out naked, like for hugs, like the whole thing felt very off to me. Yeah, very wrong. I agree that there is a level of sexualizing the cast that happens on both sides, but a bathing suit and being fully nude are totally different. Without an option. Like, it made me really uncomfortable. Even when they were playing dodgeball and like just jock straps and they were like falling on the floor and stuff. And it's like, their bits are like hanging out. Yeah, with their legs in the air. Like it was I so know, vile. I was so uncomfortable and that's not acceptable. No, and I hate to be like a weenie and like be that girl, but like, I don't know. It just, like I kind of felt bad for some of them. Like, okay, not everyone, and don't get me wrong, there's definitely a bunch of thirst monsters on there who were very excited to be naked and like thought it was funny. But there are probably just like nice Hamish guys there who like literally, like their families watch this show and like they just, didn't intend to like show their nuts. Yeah. And I thought that them wearing the job straps was like really crazy. But then the fact that they like took them off and then we were like walking around just like fully nude. I I think it's wrong. Yeah. It just, it gave me really weird vibes. And like, I don't know, Claire, it was, I don't know if it was edited this way, but it was made to seem like it was Claire's idea. And like, she was the one like living for it. And like, then asking them all for hugs. Like, I don't know. It, it really made me feel really weird. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I was not here for it. And then the fourth thing that, shook up my night is the one thing I think you and I might have disagreed on um, and probably was the most cringy part of the episode was after that date at the cocktail she's talking to that guy Brandon who according to my research is like a lovely Jewish real estate agent from Ohio I know okay never mind (laughs) Um, and I thought he was cute and he was just like nervous and like trying to talk and they slipped into like a really uncomfortable conversation where he essentially said and correct me if I'm recalling it wrong he said you know I'm so excited to be here when I found out that you were the bachelorette like I applied immediately like I just thought you were so I had to come yeah I had to come I thought you were so beautiful um and she was like oh my god really like what? no first he said I had to come I found out you're about to write I had to come she's like oh my god really like what about me made you have to come oh wait for no me? sorry it all started when he said tell me like a little bit about you I feel like I don't know that much about no. you like I know you're from San Francisco no 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 Sacramento. this is what happened I watched it all like a, a train wreck in front of me he said you know I and I guess he was like he told us in his interview before that like he didn't have time with her and he was like really excited to make a good impression he had a lot of like riding riding on this conversation yeah so he said 
um, I was so excited when it was you. Like, I'm here because it was you. I was so excited I had to come. And she said, oh, what was it about me? And he said, well, you know, you're so beautiful. And then it became, like, clear that he didn't really know that much about her. But so he said, but I don't know that much about you. Please tell me. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted her that to be and a jumping... He, he wanted her to be... That to be a jumping off point for them to, like, start letting each other know about each other. But Claire saw like the fallacy in the part that where he said that he came for her but then didn't know anything about her. And she was like offended that he might have come for her only because he thought she was beautiful, not that she knew anything about her insides. And it was just so, first of all, I thought the way that she acted, let's say she had this realization. I think the way she spoke to him was so condescending and like the way she just like shuttled him out, like literally ended the conversation. Like, can I walk you out? I thought it was so rude and like so disrespectful for someone who literally put their life on the line and quarantined for a month, two weeks at home and two weeks for you in, in, Palm Springs I thought it was just such a rude way to like shutter someone out and the way she reacted was literally like he said like he literally called her like a name like I just thought it was incredible overreaction and I actually really like on a season of The Bachelorette where the girl is in the middle of a date and like knows that it's not right and doesn't want to waste their time and uh, Caitlin Bristow used to do that a lot and actually have a lot of respect for people who do that who are like in a nice way like you know what I know you have a life back home and I don't want to waste your time I just like feel like there's no connection here like I think you should go home. I actually think in the long run, that's the nicer thing to do. Um, but that's not what this was. It was so rude. And I and honestly, I'm trying to get into her mind of like what she was I'll, most upset about. And it I, wasn't, I can't. It wasn't that she was he was only there for her looks. That's not why she was upset. She was upset because she she thought and she kind of did catch him in a lie because what he said about coming here for her he's only here because it's her was untrue because he doesn't know anything about her how do you know anything about her well other people would be from watching the seasons oh so what does she want a guy who studied all the seasons this is a guy who studied bachelor winter games bachelor in paradise one bachelor in paradise two Juan pablo season a guy who studied all of that knows everything about her has a fan club about claire and then comes with a journal with a scrapbook of all the pictures he loves of her what it's she's so unreasonable no here's what she wants she doesn't need all of that but if you're not Claire's number one fan you don't come you don't start with I'm here because it's you because I was so excited for you when you don't know her like why I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing who got cast as the bachelor and being like you know what I actually think we might work like she's a similar age to me she's from Sacramento and she's beautiful like those are the baseline things when you meet someone before you go on a date with anyone where are you from what do you look like what do you do like that's literally all you know about a person he's not from Sacramento he might be who fucking knows no but he was like I think the way that he framed it up, he, she didn't have to, to he nice. didn't have to know all this stuff. I know, but she thought she caught him in a lie and then like just saw right through him and was like, you're not here for me. You're just saying the things you think I want to hear. It wasn't that deep, no, but Claire. It wasn't that no, deep. I agree with you, but I'm saying like that's where she was coming from. It wasn't that she, she needs set someone. Him up. It's not that she needs someone who's watched every season who knows everything about her already. But don't pretend like you know her before you do and then it becomes clear that you don't oh know her. Oh my God, pretend. They're on TV. They have conversation to I don't make. Know. I, I, and he didn't pretend he knew anything about her. He just I said, think, when I saw it was you, I was excited and I signed up. I think it was that meant that was, to be okay. a compliment, a flattery, and that's it. And but she's, I think when he she's said so that, in her own head, I she's going to be her own demise. I think when he said that, that that was untrue. He, he, whoever it was, he was going to be there, and that's what she thought too. Because he, think, there's nothing about her that would have made him want to come other than he wants to come on The Bachelorette. No. And, and she re- like, Maybe there's he, now an age-appropriate he girl he for slipped, him. He's 28 years old, so oh. no. He slipped up. She saw it. Then she saw like what could potentially be the worst thing about like the worst about him, which is like he's just saying what she thinks she wants to hear because he wants to be here for this, that and the other thing. And when you are the bachelor, you are extremely on edge that like everybody is here just to use you and be on television because a lot of them are. So, yes, her paranoia came through. She didn't give this guy a chance who and like who might actually be a good guy, but he led with 
like a, a statement that was just like a platitude that was not true because it was what she wanted to hear. You know and, what? And I, I just, actually don't, I don't like people who just say stuff to say it, even when there's nothing to back that's it up. That's television, baby. Like that's literally what this show is. Like, oh, this journey. Oh, I'm feeling love okay, in well this then journey. Okay, well lie better. Yeah, if no, you're gonna I, lie, lie better. I just did not think it was that deep at all. I thought she was being really like nasty and rude to a guy who was just seemingly like, trying to make conversation it really wasn't that deep it gave off the vibe that she's like deeply insecure and like paranoid and it actually might end up like being her demise and you know what she has a little bit of nerve to be so hard on like a perfectly nice guy when she very well knows that her mind is already made up like you're not actually considering any of the other guys here so to embarrass this guy when you're gonna end up embarrassing all them because you already know who you want to go home with like I just thought it was really I thought it was rude. It really rubbed me the wrong way. And that was like the nail in the coffin where she was rubbing me the wrong way the whole episode. And then that, and I was like, oh, this is not going to work for me because it's just, none of these relationships have any hope. Yeah. I, Except for Dale. It didn't rub me so wrong because I think I saw what she, what, like, that's her worst fear. Like, then that's any Bachelorette's worst fear. Someone's coming on to be on the show to be famous and literally gives not a shit about you. And to. Oh my God, I didn't and, get that vibe from him at all. I know. Like, I, I did. Just think because he was trying to talk and he was nervous on TV. Like, he was nervous on TV, but he said something, like, he led with a lie. I don't know if all the guys there, he just like never gave me the vibe that he wants to like sell tea on Instagram. Like, and he very well may end up doing that because, you know, opportunity knocks and you open the door. But I, like, of all the guys, he was just like a quiet, nice guy. Like, I literally didn't think anything of it. And when he started to call her out, I also didn't get the vibe that he was like a dick and he was like being defensive. And you know what? He could have been a lot more rude to her when he walked. She was like, can I walk you out? I would have been like, no, get the hell out of my way. I'm going home. Like, he could have been a lot ruder to her. And the fact that he wasn't, I think, proves that he's just like still like a nice Hamish guy. I, I do think that he is a nice person. And she probably let the wrong, like she definitely read into it too much and let a good guy go. But she's just like, she's so, because she's, I guess, of her age and, and her strength and maturity, like she's so. Matter of fact. Matter of fact and like militaristic about everyone acting right. And so when they don't, it's over. And okay. I think that that, I, I agree I, with that and I think that while in some instances it's a great quality, I think it it's a double-edged sword. And and yeah. that's what you're seeing. I I also just think like her bar for appropriate behavior is just like insanely no, she's high. demanding perfection of everyone. Every statement that they say has to be completely true and genuine and which is like, yes, things you say should be true and genuine, but like to react like that when they're not, it could have just been an awkward conversation. She could have let him go at the rose ceremony right. and no one would be the wiser, but like to have to be like, so like right. And you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't feel so strongly that like I, I, as strongly as you about I it because I, I kind of saw where what she was she coming saw. from. But yeah, the way she went about it was all wrong. And I, the only other thing I want to talk about was Blake Moynes coming to the... I love him. Coming to the group date, even though he lost. And like, I I feel like it was a great move because I Me love too. him. But like, if it was any other character, Ugh. I would have been like, get this guy out of here. And I actually feel like when he did it, Claire did not respect the decision. And I agree. she was kind of rude to him. But then she went back and like thought about how she should feel about it. And she has to be consistent and in how she And she has to be feels. consistent. And then she like had to undo like turning him down and so she gave him the rose then and there because like that's the kind of man she does think that she wants she just like didn't like it in that moment yeah uh, by the way I totally agree um I, I thought she was definitely going to yell at him, but then, like, I think she just had to be consistent, and she'd yelled enough people for one night. Like, she had to go be nice to Blake, and he's just so, like, pathetic and sweet, and, like, I just want him to be happy, and he just, like, likes Claire, and, like, she literally doesn't even know his name because when he showed up, I think that she thought he was someone else at first because it's there's so many guys at this point. And, no, and but she really likes him. She He got the first rose at the on the first night, 
after Dale. Yeah, after Dale. And that's Dale. always the person, like, I think Lauren Bushnell got that rose. She didn't get the first impression rose. Like, that is always the person that you need, you should look out Keep for. Keep your eye on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. But I also am, like, worried for him now because obviously, like, she's all in on Dale and he's going all in on her. So when Tasha arrives, how is he going to pivot? Survive. He's and so he's just gonna be like always Claire's runner up. Yeah, um, agreed. When Tasha arrives, a lot of these dudes are going home. But honestly, Claire barely has a connection with any of them. That I actually think there'll be a lot of guys for who are gonna stick around for Tasha. No, a hundred percent. I just don't know how Blake could. I keep wanting to yeah. call him Blair. How Blake could make that pivot. Also, I think Claire is also rubbing a lot of the guys the wrong way. I think we see that with Yosef and I know people don't like him, but I definitely understand his frustration with Claire, like because she is acting like a little mean um is he the one who says mm -hmm. you're the oldest okay then he's a dick I think we still don't have confirmation. we don't know who it is but he's a dick if he says that um but I think that a lot of the guys are just like they feel like they literally haven't spoken to Claire they have no connection they're jealous of her connection with Dale and they maybe don't like like being yelled at all the time and then like embarrass him and I think that when Tasha comes like a lot of them will actually be excited and want to stay yeah it's not like so many of them have connections already I do also think that the first few episodes are always slow and with the group like we don't even know who these guys are she barely does in the beginning they are there like just being friends and playing dodgeball and, and having drinks by you know six or seven episodes in like things do start to get serious but I feel like they it never got to that point because one she is so in on Dale and two because they don't have all the regular distractions right. of the usual bachelor season the house the trips laying by the pool like all together and so everyone's just like really focused on like oh we have no connection with her it's like so early yeah. usually they're still distracted and the dates are just like pathetic like that indoor rec room they were first playing dodgeball at was just like made me no. want to cry I'm sorry the date where they had to do their love languages, love languages. and like speak up to her I well was... she's standing on a balcony like Romeo and Juliet but like to do something like that week one where they have to like affirm their love verbally to Claire right. where they literally just met her like to me that's not genuine and if she's the Claire who also doesn't want to hear that I'm here for you even though I don't know you <laughs> why do you want to hear all these nice things from guys who also don't know you right and that's to me like the fake flaw with the bachelor and bachelorette franchise is that yes you know who you're going for and most of the guys definitely like Claire and like want to be with her some of them are there for fame but it's very possible and I feel like it doesn't happen enough where like you meet the person like you're just not into them and it's like I feel like the only time I ever remember that happening is when Becca Tilly left Chris Soul season she was like no I just like don't like you and it's like you just the fact that you go on a show expect and you're, you don't really know the person at all on a personal level and you're just expected to fall in love with them like sometimes you just don't like the person. And like, where's that? Where's that experience? That never happens. Yeah. It or, happened a little bit does, with Cassie. And it, and it just doesn't air. But right. I also think like with Becca Tilly, like she was his runner up. Like if you know you don't like him, like make Bounce. that known sooner. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. I just, that's the always thing missing. I got really heated with that Claire thing. Sorry, I kept like talking over you. I just like really. Um, it's okay. You feel strongly. You're passionate. I do. I'm just like. I love to see passion about The Bachelor. Like, usually we can't even think of, like, something to say. <laughs> no, I mean, and you know what? It's crazy that I even have this much to say because last night's episode was truly one of the worst two hours of television of my life. Like, time was moving like maple syrup. Like, so chunky and slow. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, I just kept looking at my phone. It was, like, 830, 845. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. It no, was rough. I feel you. I do. Um, so let us know your thoughts. I would love to hear what everyone has to think. And that was our TV recap segment. And now it is Dear Toasters. And I'm very excited to dive into these. Dear Toasters, if you're new here, um, which I know so many of you are, like we're just getting like millions and millions of new listeners every day. It's like, it's honestly exhausting like to be so popular. Um, so, and just like have to explain everything that I do. It's really difficult. Um, 
Dear Toasters is our advice segment. So if you ever want to write us in, all of these submissions are from our listeners. It's deartoasters at gmail.com. We'll always keep it anonymous and you can change people's names if you want to. And you can really write in about anything. Today we have a quite a robust group of submissions. Let's just dive right in. I'm getting to that point in the show where I'm like starting to slur my words because I'm so tired. Do you need water? Um, you know what? Sure. Like, let's hydrate. This is actually a long episode. We don't really do episodes this long. Hi, Jackie and Claudia. Love you, gals. Let's dive right in. (laughs) Recently, my ex-boyfriend started dating my current boyfriend's sister, and it's getting very serious. I've tried to let it go, but I simply cannot. It's really eating me up, and I don't know what to do. Let me hit you with all the facts. I dated the ex for about a year while my current boyfriend and I were taking some time apart. The two guys obviously hate each other and almost got into a fight before. My ex is also the type of guy who constantly reached out after our breakup to tell me he'd always love me and be there for me. I live with my boyfriend and I'm extremely close with his family. We have dinner together at least three nights a week. The sister has stopped participating in family events completely, which makes me think that she's avoiding me. She introduced him to their mom and I've heard through the grapevine he'll be at Thanksgiving. How do I handle this? I'm in such a happy place in my relationship and his family treats me like their own. I feel like my ex dating my future sister-in-law is really threatening that. I'm so angry. I think I might explode during Thanksgiving. Thanks for the any advice you have to give a very stressed toaster. That's horrible. That is really hard. But what you have to do and the only thing you can do is take the high road. Mm -hmm. If you do anything other than that you will regret it if you explode at Thanksgiving like the only person who will look bad is you you just have if you are so happy with your current boyfriend like just ride that out like enjoy the joy there and just ignore the rest of it if the sister and the ex-boyfriend are OTP meant to be then like that's beautiful for them I don't think that that's the case I think that they are all trying to ruffle your feathers but the worst thing you can do when someone is trying to ruffle your feathers is let your feathers be ruffled yeah you know I'm I'm thinking about this and I'm trying to think like who can I who can I place blame on and like who can I be mad at and you know what now that I think about it it's extremely uncool of the sister like for this ex-boyfriend, he's, like, just dating a girl. He doesn't care. Like, he doesn't owe anyone anything. But, like, the sister owes it to her brother and his girlfriend, like, to be respectful and not, like, date her ex, you know? I yeah. I think it's very uncool of her. I think that this ex is, is clearly very, in, like, kind of crazy, maybe. And he, what he does can't be predicted. But if the sister is, like, a nice sister, then what she does can be. So, and, like, she could act better. So unless, like, this is, like, true love and, and you're standing in the way... Um, just let it play out because yeah. you know what? Even like spite relationships run their course. Yes, Black China and Rob. Right. So just patience is key. Take the high road. And Jackie said it best. Someone's trying to ruffle your feathers. The best thing you can do is just to not like be unbothered, not let your feathers get ruffled. Don't give them exactly what they want because if Thanksgiving goes smoothly and you're unbothered and it's so clear you're happy in your relationship and you don't care about your ex enough to even care what he's doing, like he will grow tired and he will probably, if it's not a real relationship, he will exit the scene shortly thereafter if like, if you don't give him what he's looking for. Like, please just stay steady yeah and just like ignore 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 shrug it off shrug it off um that would make me so angry i'm trying to think like because the opposite of love is not hate it is indifference it's so true so you being hateful just shows him that you're closer to love than indifference so if you're indifferent right i'm trying to think of like that would be like i mean i don't really have any ex-boyfriends but like one of them dating ben's sister right yeah that would be very strange yeah and make me definitely uncomfortable not angry but uncomfortable yeah Well, good luck to you. Next up, Dear Toasters, I read his diary. 
Yes, you read that right. My boyfriend and I have been long distance for a year and a half. He went to a wedding last weekend and then came to visit me. When we were together, we went to get gas, and while he was at a pump, I noticed a journal on the ground. I couldn't help myself, and I picked it up and opened it to the last entry. Long story short, it said, they say when you know, you know. I wonder if that's true. I've been putting up walls, and I've been complacent and inconsiderate. I want true love. I want what blank and blank people in the wedding he went to I want what they have I confronted him about it and apologized for reading it but overall I decided I wanted to break up with him if he doesn't know then I don't want to waste his time because I thought I knew he was the one for me he begged me to give him a chance to open up and be more vulnerable with him and to put more effort in our relationship because he respects me and can see a future with me aka he would break up with me if he didn't see it we are still together but I can't stop replaying the words in my head what do you think I'm 26 turning he just turned 27 how long should I wait for him to realize I'm the one I really do love this guy sincerely a toaster and a redhead oh redhead so she's with an a yes she's oh. obviously like a well-read genius with okay. a great taste in pod- podcasts i just want to say because i need to say this like i really don't condone you reading his diary I knew you were gonna have an opinion. i like i don't know i just think that everyone deserves a like a piece of privacy and for a lot of people like that's their phones and like so you don't snoop but you do if you have like well-founded suspicions I just think that reading someone's diary is like so wrong we've spoken about this before and I think you would tell her to break up with him because he even keeps a diary yeah no oh my god I'm actually traumatized I cannot speak on um men who keep diaries because I'm traumatized because because of what you did what I did yeah when we were in Nashville um we were uh we did a like a week of shows in Nashville around CMA Fest like three years ago. And we were in this studio and we hired like all these freelance um, like videographers, camera guys, AV. And they were so nice and cool. And like we like really had created like a bond with them over the, over the week. And on one of the last days, we were doing like a dear... Uh, Breathers, dear toasters. No, wait, Olivia Creedy was on and she was talking about how her... The man that she was seeing had a diary and should she read it? Oh, oh, oh. And I just like went off about like men who re- who write diaries are sissies and it's weird and I was just like railing on just like the male species having diaries and I was like saying to the camera guys I'm like you guys don't have diaries right and this one guy was like no I do I journal every day <laughs> and I was like that's beautiful so I don't really I stay out of the journaling conversation now since I offended an entire gender um so maybe you just take this one. So, okay, honestly, I'm surprised that after you read his diary and his innermost thoughts were exposed, which were, like, not sure about you, that he even, like, wanted to stay together. Right, because he would be, should be mad. So, like, this is obviously an extremely mature person. And I don't know. I feel, I feel two types of ways. Because I feel like, on the one hand, sometimes when someone, like, doesn't know, and I, how long, did they say how long they'd been together? No. Like, sometimes. Oh, yes, a year and a half, but they're long distance. Oh, that's really tough. Like sometimes a year and a half like is enough to know that you don't know and, and that means that you know that it's wrong. Right. And like the fact that it's been a year and a half and like you really know and like he's the one and he just like can't decide. It's like you want to be with someone who like wants to be with you. You you want to be wanted. Yeah. I agree. But can I just but say the something? the fact that like he is unsure but he's the one who's fighting for the relationship and for you to give him another chance. Like I don't know. I think that there's something that could be there. Mm-hmm. I really do. I just... Right, no, now that he's, like, not willing to let you go means that, like, you probably are the one. But, like, I just... It doesn't feel nice that, like, it's taking him so long to figure it out. But it's I like, also feel like it's kind of like when you're in a, in a in an investigation or, like, a court procedure. When you get... When you gather evidence illegally, like, it is stricken from the record. It doesn't count. Right. And so I don't think that, like, you should know his inner... Like, people's innermost thoughts, like, 
you know, that they would share with only themselves in their diary, like are not, there's a reason why it's private. And there's a reason why it, he didn't say it to you. And that's why I don't like when people read someone else's diary, because we are all entitled to our thoughts. I, I totally agree. And so that's and, why I want to strike his diary from the record, because it also was right after a wedding. Like this is one diary entry where he had a, like he saw a beautiful love relationship and just questioned what he had for a second. Like that he didn't say it to you. Like mm-hmm. he didn't make it permanent. It was for him. No, you're right. It's people are entitled to their own thoughts. And if we don't have our thoughts, what do we have? And so I feel like the diary is evidence that was acquired without a warrant. And it should be stricken from the record. And now evaluate your relationship for the past year it's and inadmissible. a half. Are you happy? It's inadmissible. It's inadmissible. I want to say something really quickly about journaling. I just want to like go on the record because the last time I spoke about journaling specifically as it pertains to men like I roasted them and that was like four years ago and I feel like I've actually really changed my stance on that and I just want to put it on the record because normalize changing your opinions based on new information um now that I have marinated with it and I'm in a much more mature place in my life I actually really respect men who journal and I'm not just saying this like make up for like me literally being so mean um but it's like when I was watching Mad Men when Don is in this like really dark place in his life and then he decides to get his life together and he starts swimming every morning and he starts journaling and he's just like writing random things about his feeling it's actually like a deeply mature and introspective thing to be able to do and like I don't I've never journaled and I don't know if I'm willing to be that insightful but for honest with yourself for like a man to do it I don't know it's actually very impressive I wish Ben would journal I do I wish he was that you know, sensitive. Yeah, but Ben can't journal because he knows that you'll read it. 100%. And it's like, if I knew that my husband journaled, it would be really hard for me not to read it. Of course. But I would try every day to not. And no, I, I would like fully read it every night. Yeah, no. I. But I, I would never bring it up. I just would like want to know like what he's thinking. And it's not because I'm malicious, because I love him so much. I just want to know everything. But what if you saw stuff in there that like was hard for you to except like what like that was stuff about you and you know well he would obviously like not be able to write anything about me in the journal that would be the rule I'd be like I would say I won't read your journal you just can't write anything about me and then I would read every night to make sure he's following the rules (laughs) okay but then you didn't follow the rules but he doesn't need to know because I will never bring it up to him but it might affect how you behave and treat him no no I can I can take it okay um okay final one hi Claudia Jackie and Dr. Theodore Fichemin hi I'm hoping for some premium premium advice on my problem. My husband and I have another couple we are very close with. It's been a few years since we all became friends, and I've just been trying my hardest to like the wife of my husband's friend, but I just don't. I've come to the conclusion that she is either obsessed with me or is beyond insecure. She asked me where all my clothes are from and even what size they are. Anything that I've mentioned I want, purse, plants, etc., she immediately goes out and buys it. Oh my God, that's so annoying. For herself? Yeah. Every time I go over to their house, she has to take me on a tour of everything she's bought recently, and I just don't care. I've mentioned this to my husband, but I feel badly because he's so close with his friend, and they always want us to hang out as a foursome. I say no to plans from time to time because it takes a lot of energy to hang out with the wife, and I just don't always have it. It's clear that these people aren't going away, so how do I help this chick to be less obsessed with me? Sincerely, what the fuck do I do? To be honest, this is like a real problem being a couple. Like, because you have couple friends, and it's like, you either like, are in it because the wife is friends with the wife and like the husband stinks or you're friends with it because the husband's friends with the husbands and then the wife stinks. It's like, it's very rare that you find a couple where it's like you like the husband and the wife just as much. Um, and it makes like double dating awkward. And it makes like growing up like and being friends and then like being married friends. It makes it just This is how things change. But particularly with, with this girl, it's, 
there's nothing more annoying than a girl who like, oh, I like blue cargo pants. And then like literally the next day shows up wearing blue cargo pants, pretending like it was her idea. Like yeah. someone who lacks creativity and like original ideas and style and like doesn't own it. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. I think the solution here is like, one, obviously just be clear with your husband. Like these are like, she's not your people, but you'll support him when necessary. And two, like maybe just go out for dinner. So you're not having to go to their house and like see all of her new things. Like if you can, or do double dates that are activities where everyone's distracted busy so that you're not like stuck listening to her but sometimes you just got to take one for the team but also maybe work on fostering couple friendships that might take your husband away from this friendship like yes. you just have to be like if you're it's just like criticism like or when you say something negative like don't do just something negative like also give an, an option for a better yeah solution you know also you have to tell your husband like i'll continue to do this but like just be mindful that i'm not having a good time so like when it's time to leave like let's go like if, if your husband's like dragging it out because he's having a great time with his friend drinking beer watching football being like no, no no when we say we're leaving at eight like you come get me at eight like i'll do this for you you do that for me yeah it's a compromise that's what marriage is yeah but this is not sustainable so no. um just and the the double the foursome is going to suffer. You know, yeah. You can't say anything but to the wife still because be, at the end of the day, she's just trying to like impress you. And yeah, like she's, she's not mean. She's just friends, annoying. He can still be friends with his friend, like, and yeah. you don't have to go. Guys I night. think that that's fine. It's a guys night. Yeah, sounds fun. Sounds wonderful. Gno, Gno, just make some other couple friends. So like your social events calendar is like so busy with clam bakes, trips to the Cape that you can't literally fit in time for this couple. Maybe once a month now. Maybe just a dinner, two hours tops. They yeah. need the table. That's the thing. It's like when you're going out to dinner, like time is of the essence. Yeah, but also like she can't show you her new closet of all the things that were your idea. Her new plant. Yeah. Yeah. We should probably start taking pictures of them and show you to them at dinner. Also, like, if you just want to be a little petty, why don't you, like, say you want something that's, like, really ugly. ugly, and then she'll start wearing that, and then you can have the last laugh. Also, if you want to be petty, like, stop sharing things with her, like, what you want. Just keep that information to yourself. No, or just share, like, bad, bad, really expensive things. Be like, I've been saving up for this, these like, corduroy overalls. these, like, Swarovski Crocs. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's actually good advice. Um, so again, that was Dear Toasters. Thank you guys for submitting and trusting us with your qualms and quandaries. And if you ever want to write in, the email to email us is deartoasters at gmail.com. I actually think Crocs get a really bad rap and I absolutely love them. Agreed. So I wear I them almost like, every day. I just want to retract what I said because... They're dropping fire collabs. Justin Bieber, Luke Combs. Maybe a Swarovski messenger back. Yeah, like a... No, like a... Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I actually love Crocs. Like, we wear Crocs. And I think, like, it really bothers me when other people talk about them, like, as the ugliest. It's like the go-to joke. Ugly thing. But, like, I don't think that, like, I think that they have so much value and I don't want to pile on. No. And it's like, whether you're wearing them in the summer or now they make ones with fur inside, like, they're literally perfect. They're giving Ugg a run for their money. I said it. No, I fucking no, said no, it. No, no, I totally agree. And you know what? I think they make your legs look skinny. I said it. Oh, you said it too. Ben wears them every single day. There's a pair of Crocs outside my door for when we walk the four times a day. Almost every day. Um, I saw um, I saw a friend last week. She was wearing fur Crocs. Like, they're taking over Manhattan, I'm just saying. No, I, I absolutely love to see it. Justice for Crocs. J for C. Thank you guys so much for listening to The Morning Toast, the millennial morning show where we deliver the fast five stories that you need to know every morning, Monday through Friday on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us The Morning Toast and leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We hope you have an amazing day. Happy hump day. Hump someone you love. And we will see you tomorrow for Thursday's show. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.